Morning, good morning. Okay, this is part three. We started, of course, with Revolva's understanding of the three major things that are going on during the course of these days leading into Rosh Hashanah. The creation, recreation of man, Bria Adam, which takes place, the man was created on Rosh Hashanah. Therefore, this is an opportunity for us to recreate ourselves. And then we have the idea of Malchus, the establishing of Hashem's kingdom, kingship over the world, and of course, the element of Chu. The first two weeks, we discuss man. What, what it takes, what we need to be working on to recreate ourselves. We discussed that from two different, le- from two different angles. Number one, which was not living stam, not living without purpose, not living without thinking about what it is that we're doing. And the sense of every Jew walking around, ah, the whole world was created for me. It's Kadai, just for me, that the whole world would have been created. Uh, last week, we discussed the idea that besides that, for the fact that man has to feel like an individual, that he should feel part of a cloud. A Jew needs to be the leaf on a tree, we discussed, and that a Jew is always part of something bigger, and we cannot exist on our own. We need to be part of the bigger picture. The one line to take out from last week was Rabbi Yisrael Salanter's advice. How does a Jew succeed on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? To become a person, shehat tzibur tzrichin lo. Become a person that the tzibur needs. Now, that doesn't always mean that you're going to be the, the president of the shul or the head of the chavra. It means that you're a person involved in community, a person who's not living in their own Dalit Amos without any care or concern about anything else going on in the world, you're a person invested. That is the piece of advice Rabbi Sol Salanter gave every Jew. You want to be ready for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur? Give of yourself to the Kehillah. Okay, let's start section three. Appropriately given the news that came out on Friday, the passing of Queen Elizabeth uh, Malchios. And he's actually going to talk a lot this was totally by chance that we ended up, by uh, chance, if you believe in by chance, but it happened to be this was uh, designated for this week. The idea of kingship in the world and the place and role that it plays. And Revolva has a fascinating approach, which we will address now this morning, as to how we should relate to the idea of kings and queens in the world in which we live. So let's start uh, yeah, on the beginning of Perak uh, uh, Malchus, chapter of Malchus. He writes as follows, Imru lefanai Malchus barash Hashanah, very oft-quoted Gemara this time of year. The Gemara says that, so to speak, we, Hashem says before us, we should say and declare Malchios. This is what we do in the section of Musaf, which we, of course, know as uh, Malchios. In order, that you make me your king. And this is one in one line that Gemara basically establishes the entire theme of Rosh Hashanah, which is Malchios. We've spoken about this before, but we'll just mention it briefly. Now, if you go through the Machsar on Rosh Hashanah, you will find a couple of things missing. For example, tshuva, totally missing on the Machzah of Rosh Hashanah. We do not talk about tshuva at all. The only thing that really gets our attention on Rosh Hashanah is this theme of Malchios, yearning for Hashem to become Melech Hashem Malach, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloch, Le'olam Va'ed. That is the yearning of a Jew on Rosh Hashanah. We don't think about ourselves. And if you think through the Machzah, and we'll go through this, those coming Friday night, next, next Friday night already, um, to the dinner here in Shul. Uh, it, uh, no, it's two Friday nights. Two weeks. Phew. Okay, that makes me feel so much better. So in two weeks, we'll talk about when it's, it's not just an individual, it's a universal yearning that the whole world recognizes Hashem as Melch. And that's the, the theme. So as he writes, Rosh Hashanah, continuing the first paragraph, Rosh Hashanah Yom Briyas Adam, as we've spoken about, Rosh Hashanah is the day of the creation of man. What is an outgrowth of the idea that man is created on the day of Rosh Hashanah? What comes out from that is the ability of Hashem to be now declared 
as a king. Because Hare Ein Melech below Um I skipped the line. That day Hashem becomes king because Ein Melech below Um. He can't be a king without a people. So since the people were created on Rosh Hashanah, now we have the ability to declare Hashem Melech. Kirak Kasher Bnei Adam Das. Only when there are people Baalei Das. What's he adding with that phrase? People who can think, meaning he created all the animals, but the animals don't have the ability to choose to make Hashem their king. It may be that way, but that's just because of whatever natural instincts are created. They don't have the ability to think. They don't have the ability to reject. And you cannot accept something unless you have the ability to reject it. You know, we get very frustrated with teenagers. Teenagers who are, you know, teenagers. It's hard to... Whatever. That's a whole separate discussion. It's a hard topic. We get frustrated with members of community who don't seem to do things that we want them to be doing. It's all true. It's part of the idea of free will, which is a much bigger topic. We're not talking about it. But only with the ability to reject is there any value in the ability of accepting. So only in the ability to reject community is there value in the ability to accept being part of it. And that applies to the human race, the Jews, being able to accept Hashem as king. The only value that Hashem has in us accepting Him as king, more than all the animals, is the fact that we can reject Him and we see people in the world choose to. That's what gives value when we stand on Rosh Hashanah and say, no, we accept Hashem Melech, Hashem Olach, Hashem Yimloch, And we have another option. And it's exercised all the time. And we're choosing to be here, we're choosing to declare you as king. That's the value in that. That's what he adds in this phrase, only when there are people ba'alei das, who are mamlichem aleya melech, az hu nikra melech. And by Yom HaShishi, on the sixth day, when man was created, and that's why the, the shir shalyom of, of Friday is Hashem melech, geus lavesh. Why do we say Hashem? Only on the sixth day can we sing Hashem melech, because only then, when man is created, can we declare Hashem as melech. Okay, now he gets into this fascinating approach in the second paragraph. Ein lano hayom tziur muchshi, Today, we no longer have a visual image of what it means to be a king. He's going to talk about England in a minute, but the idea of a king who can take your head off whenever he wants, just off of your head, that awe, that fear, that power that was wielded by kings and queens of old, says we don't have anymore. It doesn't really exist. It's almost entirely nullified, the idea of melucha in the world. There's a mitzvah in the Torah, we should place in front of us, and what do we learn? There's an idea of fearing the king. There's a mitzvah to fear the king. The melech. We have, to, we have to stop on this, he says, and understand why did Hashem, what's going on in the world around us that we no longer have a some, tangible example of something to hold on to where we say like, oh, I know what it's like. And when we declare Hashem king, I know what it's like to be a king. Eh, a little bit we do, but not really. We used to, it used to be. There was a time in, in world history when a Jew would stand on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and say the words Hashem Melech, Hashem, he knew exactly what it meant to be a king. And now, yeah, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a beauty pageant and what's going on. And it's a whole different thing. And I'm not taking anything away from what the queen did. But the, the fear, it's, it's the world doesn't have it anymore. We fear other types of dictators. And certainly we'll talk about that a little bit uh, as well. 
Let's skip down to uh, the, the third, uh, the second to last paragraph on the page. Hakol bar kodesh baruch hu lichva. Everything that Hashem created was for was for His covered. Kol mashe bar kodesh baruch hu ba'olam the mission pirkei avos is everything Hashem lichvodo bar. He did it for His own covered. So therefore, you have to ask, what was? Why did Hashem create the concept of melucha? Why, thinking back historically over over world history, what's the idea? What do we learn? In what way does a king add to the kavod of a kvod shamayim, the fact that there's a king in the world? So, so he says, heavy omer, in the middle of this, uh, this, this paragraph, the second last paragraph, heavy omer, the reason is so that we can understand what it means. Can you imagine if we never had such a thing as a king or queen in the world? And then we would try to imagine someone would say, Hashem is your king. What's a king? What does it mean that Hashem is Melech and Malach and Yimloch? I don't know. So, I, so Hashem gave us the gift of a king. There's such a concept. There's a king who rules the world, rules his, his province, his Medina, his country, whatever it may be. Okay, now I have a vision of that. Okay, so I could I can understand hashkafically speaking, philosophically, what do I gain from the concept of a king? I now know what it means to have a king. Therefore, he writes his father's last paragraph on the page. So let's think, let's think about this. Bitkufas kadumos in the early days. Kings ruled with a, a full power. But now, in the new world we live in, the world refuses to give kings full power. We don't, know, we don't accept that. The world has shifted from a world in which kings dominated their, whoever their subjects and now there's been like this uprising, so to speak, where the world doesn't tolerate that anymore. You know, there's going to be a, 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 in the democracy worlds, several different bodies of government. And England, the queen basically lost all major power. She became a figurehead. Okay, we have dictatorships. We still have China, thank God. We have Russia, thank God, for us to imagine what it's like. You know, you wonder, like, what's the purpose? Okay, there's such a concept of a dictator who does whatever he wants and nobody can say anything. Okay. We have, we have a concept of that, but in the, most of the world, it's really uh, disappeared from, uh, from our existence. So the system is mitzamtem. It, it lessens, it constricts the power of the king, and that's the world that we, that we live in. And therefore, he asks the following question, going down to the beginning of the second paragraph on the following page. How should we understand this from, with Jewish eyeglasses? Looking at the world, which is the way that a Jew should always look at it, the world, with Jewish perspective, how do I view what's the meaning or significance of the era that we live in, in which, for whatever divine reasons, Hashem has basically taken away the concept of kingdom in the world, which used to be the most normal form of government, every country had a king, and now it's gone. What do I learn from the fact that now it's this democratic society rather than a king society? The Torah wants a king society. And when, when Mashiach comes, there's not going to be a democracy that's going to rule the Jewish people. It might be the best form of government that we have now, but it doesn't mean it's the best form of government, and there's going to be a king. That's, we're going to, but right now we don't have one. 
What do we learn from that? What do we learn from that? So says Revolve as follows. So uh, let's, in the, let's, let's learn, from, let's continue that paragraph. The second paragraph. Harayim kol metzius hamalucha, hu kidei lasais lono, tzir muhshi shokvod ve'emos da'arali's amalchit. The whole concept of kingdom is to give us a vision, a image of what it's like, um, of, and then to compare it to the malchusa de rikia, the heavenly kingship. Why did Hashem allow it to become nullified in the world we live in? So he suggests we're going to see two ideas. Number one, We are so far from emuna, living emuna, that we lost the key to attach to it. So he says as far as let me finish this thought, then we'll talk about that. This is how the world works. This is how Ashkach Hashem's divine intervention in the world always goes. When a person is close to emuna, when you're close to Amun, Hashem will give you the tools you need because it's relevant to you. Since it's relevant to you, you're close, you're working on it. So things that are... I'll give you tools to a person who's a carpenter. I'll give you the right tools. If you're not a carpenter, why would I give you the cool tools of the trade if you don't know what to do with it? So he revolves sees in the world... When the Jews lived in an era where they were holding in Emuna, Hashem gave him the tools to connect on a real-life level to that. As the generations have gone on, and we unfortunately have gone farther and farther from a real image, vision of what Melucha is, Hisrachaku mehabonu, when we have distanced ourselves from that type of real-life Emuna of the way that Hashem runs the world, we don't have anything in this world because we don't have anything to connect it to. We don't, we lack, we're not in the trade, we're not in the craft to take the tools and do anything with it. That is point number one, that always, and that image of a tool is a great way to look at it. If you're, whole, if you're a painter, I'll give you a paintbrush. But if you don't have to do with it, why would I give that to you? So would you always, and this is the way that we daven, in many things, when we ask Hashem for things, I want to be in that trade. If whatever it is that we need or that we want, we have to give me the tools. I know what to do with it. I want to use them. You know, we'll use a simple example. A Jew who's always yearning and davening for money and isn't a person who's established himself as a Baal Tzedakah, so going to say, why don't I give you any money? You don't know what to do with it. A person who says, what you've given me, look at how I use it appropriately, and then you ask, I need more. Okay, you're a person who knows how to use this tool, I'll give you more of it. It's like that with every craft and every trade. So Revolva says in the world of Imuna, we've gotten so far away over the years of our exile, as our, as our Golos has gone on, we have kings, not going to help us to have kings, so he took away kings from us. But he adds one last point, and this is going to be very relevant for us in our day and age. There is something that we have seen in our, uh, in our era. Um... That's the, in the, paragraph, the third paragraph on the page. Now matters have come to as follows. We don't have a real image of its power, of its glory, and it's a simon that we've distanced ourselves, as he says. However, end of the second line. In the middle of the, in World War II, we did see something new pretty much for the first time in world history. And that was... That was a memshala gola, an exiled monarchy. As World War II broke out, there were many, World War I and World War II, there were kings who were exiled from their land, and they set up 
their kingdom in exile and continued to reign back in the lands from which they were exiled from. But it didn't just happen where, as the, as the Germans, where other nations in the middle of those two world wars took over lands, the kings were exiled. And then the original king still held some type of control, governing powers over the land, in exile. There were lands that the enemy, uh, is referring to the Germans, of course, conquered. They went to England. And they established their reign in exile from England. It's like a king without a nation. His nation is in the land. He was exiled, but he's still trying to govern from a foreign place. However, it wasn't really a king without a nation. It worked. It, was, it existed. The nation refused the conquering powers, and the nation, the people, were still subservient to their king who had been exiled. Nimsa in despite the distance, and the exiled king still continued the kesher with the people and to direct activities from exile. He says, this, this image is the image that we need in our day and age of a nation that's been conquered. The king has been exiled, but the nation remains true to a melech begalus. Read the, the Darkena, the fourth paragraph. According to in our approach here, there's a new image that Hashem gave us, the Hashkacha provided for us. And here we'll just take our last three minutes and talk about this idea. The Shechinta Bigalusa. One of the things that we daven for most is recognition that Hashem's presence is in exile. When the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, this is going back to 20, the first Beis HaMikdash, 2,500 years almost now, and Hashem's presence left the Beis HaMikdash, left the Jewish people. We are in exile from that moment, and until the Shekhinah returns to the Yushalayim, to the Beis HaMikdash, the Jew will always remain in exile. The Jews in Israel today, who are so privileged and blessed to live in Israel, are also living in Gullus. It's gone. They're not, they're not in redemption. They're living in Israel in Gullus rather than living in uh, five towns in Gullus. But they're living in Gullus. How do we know they're living in Gullus? Because there's no Beis HaMikdash. And there's no Shechin in the Beis HaMikdash. That's, it's, it's not as much as a Gullus, because they're there and we're not. But it is a Gullus. The proof to this, by the way, there are four, there are four exiles that, that we discuss in Jewish history. The first Rashi in Chumash, and, and the very second Pasuk in all, not the first Rashi, but the very second Pasuk in all of Chumash. The Arzai said, Tov, Avov, Achosher, Alpenei, Tov. So the Gemara learns that a Tov was the Gullus of Madai, and Yavan, and uh, Edom. So one of the Gulluses was Yavan, which you talk about always Hanukkah time was the Gullus of the Greek exile. Where did the Greek exile take place? Where physically were the Jews during the Gullus of Yavon? Right, Israel. Was there a base of Mikdash at the time? Yeah. And it's a Gullus. It's the Gullus of Yavon because it was the second base of Mikdash and the Shekhinah wasn't there. And therefore, it was, it's the Gullus Yavon in Israel in a time of a base of Mikdash, but it's not, that's not the way that it's supposed to be. All of this to say, one of the things that we daven most for about on Rosh Hashanah is this idea of the Shechinta Begalusa, the Shechina in Golas. The Sh- Hashem's presence is in exile. When we, when we daven on Rosh Hashanah, one of the things that needs to touch us the most deep out of all the tefillahs is that it's not about me. Uh, Rebbe Shalom, he said, I'm davening for you. Your presence 
is not where it's supposed to be. Your presence is not home. You are not home. I'm not home either. But I'm not home because you're not home. Rebbein take me home so that you can go home. Or go home so that I can go home. Whichever one's going to happen first. Adam I can't answer. I'm not sure how that's going to go. That's a separate discussion. But what is right now is your presence is in Gullus. You're not home. And that pains me. And I daven on Rosh Hashanah to return. Yimloch Hashem liolam. Elokeich tzion. I want you to reign and I want you to be home. This image that we have we don't have kings anymore, he says, because we're so far from being able to connect that. But you know what we do have? We have the idea of an exiled monarch. And people under a foreign dominion yearning for their exiled monarch to come home and rule over them again. That image we have, and that is the world that we live in today, in which we say we are exiled by a foreign dominion. And he has a whole discussion about the Kawah Hara. We talk about the evil uh, in the world that exists. Uh, we always talk about the lahasir memshelas zadon min haaretz. We talk about in Russia, remove this memshelas zadon, this foreign power that rules, that dictates, that that clouds our understanding of the world. Take us home, and uh, we are we have that image of being a people under a foreign dominion, trying to send a message back to our king in exile, and saying we want you to come back. We want to be able to throw out the powers that be and have a have our king. Uh, return. Let's just finish this last paragraph. Alzos, on the bottom of the uh, right-hand side of the page. Alzos, anu mispalalim. This is what we daven. Bechol tfilo seidu v'rosh Hashanah sh'yasur ha'oyev hazet. To remove the enemy. Uvechein tein pachtuch Hashem alokeno kol masacha. Ein maschal kovra. You put your fear on all of creation. Ki ein od yiros elokeim bolam. There's no such thing. People don't fear Hashem anymore. We forget the Jews. The world for sure. So David, David, Amelach, Farbikesh, Shishas, Amor, Lahem, Yehdu, Goyim, and Osh Hema. We want Hema. So we want the nations to recognize you, and that is our uh, that is our dream. Um, that is our dream to return this uh, this concept of the Shechina. So let's leave it. Uh, just quick summary. Leave it at that. The world we live in, we were supposed to take everything in the world around us and use it. We lost kings. We were supposed to have had that, and we lost it. But we do have a king in exile. And that is our hope and our yearning to say, we, we, want, we want to have that. We want to have the king back home uh, again. And this is the third element. So there's the element of working on ourselves to live, not stam, but to live with the sense that the whole world was created for me. To live as part of the Jewish people, a leaf on a tree. And my yearning always of the Malchus Shemayim, to see Hashem's kingship return on this day that I can declare him willingly with my own free will. I can choose to have him as a king and I can notice it's like the world is off. There's the, the king is in exile, and my yearning is to have the king return. That is the whole Rosh Hashanah. Really, really, really. The whole, Yom Kippur will talk about it's different. But Rosh Hashanah is, I want to see the Shekhinah return. I want the king's presence to return to your home. Bring me home so that you can come home, and we can be together again in Eretz Yisrael with a, a Shekhinah, not Begalusa, not an exiled king, but the king in, its, in his glory uh, revealed for all.